0: many blessings, yes. One of the blessings that we have is our guest speaker, and I am thrilled that she came to speak to us today um, and on such short notice. Thank you. Thank you. We have been so blessed to have uh, Reverend Sharon in the San Diego Religious Science Community for so many years. She was the founding minister of Light of Life um, Center for Spiritual Living in the Rancho Bernardo. She also worked in, cha- in uh, chaplaincy at Children's Hospital and for a local hospice. For many years, she was the regional support coordinator for our area. She was our support person, as well as serving on many CSL committees and councils. But just last year, she was elected and became the field leader of Centers for Spiritual Living which means that she gets to share her love and passion for science of mind to all the centers around the world. And she tells me she just became, uh, uh, she got her doctorate as well, yes. Yay, congratulations. So a magnificent light, a woman of deep faith with great insight and high consciousness And we are so blessed to have you. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Reverend Sharon Hudson.
1: I'm just looking at you shining. You remember, you're the light of the world, right? Yeah. And you are shining. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're powerful. And I have to say thank you to Gregory, wherever he is, For that music, there you are, because I was dancing with my husband to that music, and so that means I have to start my talk with a whole different story. (laughs) 31 years ago in July, next month, um, well before that, I was in Science of Mind 2 class, and um, I wanted to meet a man, I'd already been married twice, you know, so I wanted to meet a better man. (laughs) No, actually, the first two were good, I (laughs) I just saw the first one yesterday, so, you know. He's, he's family. Um, but I, So I said to my minister, it's a big class, I said to my minister, I want to meet the perfect man. And he said, no, you don't. <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> you, that would never happen. And if you did, you wouldn't be good enough for him. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> he said, what you want is your perfect partner for life. Yeah. So I had a pod group that, that wrote... Spiritual mind treatments are affirmative prayers for me to meet my perfect partner for life. I met John Hudson, my husband, right after that class ended in July, that summer. And um, it took a while, because he's 12 years younger than me. Really hot. <laughs> Rides a motorcycle, a Harley now. And, um, and he was a machinist. And um, I was like uh, climbing the corporate ladder. And we look like two very different people. But here's the secret. He is a whole person. That's what I really wanted was a whole person. They wrote beautiful treatments that brought into my mind all the things I really wanted in a partner. And we're so different. He's playful. I'm responsible. I'm the oldest of five. He's the youngest. I mean, you know, that works, right? Opposites attract. I hope you haven't heard this story from me before, but it's one of my favorites. What, What I know about that opposite attraction thing is that there's a reason we're attracted. And... What happens in a relationship is we go in in the nicey-nice stage. We're being what we think they want us to be, and we're really being good and and lovable and wonderful. And then you get comfortable with each other, and who you really are starts to pop out, right? Uh So we're walking through the streets of Albuquerque, there for the balloon fiesta. We hadn't been together too long. And um, he's spitting ice on the sidewalk, being playful, see? And that was, like, embarrassing to me. He's got a soda. And I was like, oh, sheesh, but I did not say anything, see, because you're not, you know, you're not supposed, you're st- I was still in nicey-nice. But what happened is I started collecting the things, issues, You put them in my pocket, right? So I really wasn't going to tell you this, but it's just so good. Um, so so I, um, and, and the thing is, he was doing the same thing. And so uh, actually there came a point after about, two and a half, two years, where we broke up briefly. um, And he finally called me, or I called him, I don't know, but we didn't speak for two weeks to each other. And what happened is, in that call, I got all the bullets out of my pocket and told him why this wouldn't work. Shot them all right at him, and then he shot me back a few, but then he went on to tell me the things that I had changed in him by us being together what he loved about me, and how it had touched his life. And so then I started to tell him what I loved about him and how it touched my life. And we've been together 31 years, and he is my perfect partner for life. I mean, it's just like, it is so good. And so the deal I learned is that in order to be in a healthy relationship, it's about if you uh, find yourself attracted to someone who's really the opposite of you, I needed to be more playful, didn't I, you guys? Come on. He is the light of my life because I needed to balance myself. And he needed to, you know, well, he's pretty stable anyway. I have to say he's like perfect, but well, I mean, not quite. But but I think it's about that idea of becoming more whole, inviting something different into your life and expanding who you are. It's so exciting. So our topic today has nothing to do with that. Well, it does. (laughs) Has everything to do with that. You know, um, when John Kirko sent me a message and said, could you speak? And would you like to give me a topic i started looking at old talks i didn't i didn't have a topic in my mind I said do you already have a topic he said yes nurture empowered consciousness i said okay let's go with that and which is wonderful because then i got to really think about what does that mean <laughs> nurture power. here's the thing our consciousness is already empowered it is powerful so then i back up and i look at what is consciousness and you know in our philosophy and our teaching We look at consciousness at two levels, mainly. One is what I'm aware of, my conscious mind. And the other one is this deeper. And Ernest Holmes, our founder, calls it subjective consciousness. You might think of it as almost subconscious. It's a thing we're not constantly aware of. And what's in that is everything that's ever happened to us, everything we've heard and told, uh, our culture, the way we see the world, it's all there. And to have... To nurture empowered consciousness, I think what what this really means is to nurture that deeper consciousness so that we get what we want in life. Would that be good? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So how do we do that? Because there's stuff in there that has been impressed on us that is not true. It's just not true. Some of that is even ideas about who I am, how beautiful I am, how capable I am, what I deserve. How lovable I am. And so, I mean, how are we going to fix what's in there that, that we don't even know about until we react to something and we go, oh. And we, we react to something because there's this, this limited belief, fear, idea that's just deep in there and held as a belief. And the thing is that this is creative. The subjective mind is powerfully creative. And I like to picture it as a, a great big jar of muddy water with everything that's in there, all the experiences, good and bad, and the good things I think about myself and how wonderful I am, right? But I want more of that in there. So how do we do that? You already know this, you know this stuff. We need to continually, if you had a big jar of muddy water, if you started just pouring clear, clear water in, eventually you know the mud is gonna clear out, it's gonna flow out because there's not enough room for all that other junk that doesn't really work and isn't true. So it's so easy for us to have limiting ideas when stuff happens. I'm going to tell you a story about Maggie Cook. Anybody know about Maggie Cook? Yeah, somebody does, yeah. Maggie Cook, I just heard her speak a week ago, and she's amazing. She was raised in an orphanage in Mexico, and it was difficult. They were hungry. They would go hunting in the woods at night with flashlights and knives to find food sometimes, Uh, and it was difficult. She had some horrible experiences in that orphanage. And she was, she loved to play basketball, and she was very good at basketball. In fact, she was tapped to join a basketball team, so she could begin to play basketball, I think professionally. I'm not quite sure what that meant. Um, And then she's just goofing around. When she was raised in this orphanage, she played with the boys for the most part, and and she talks about her brothers all the time, because the boys in the orphanage were her brothers, and they did stuff together. So she's out like throwing balls and goofing around and she falls and breaks her collarbone and she was told by the doctor and be careful what we tell young people well you'll never play basketball again it's interesting because it it wasn't true but you take it as a truth when you're that young and vulnerable now she's someone who would go into the forest and you know there was a lot of religion in the orphanage you know you were told what a sinner you were how horrible you were all that stuff, and she got to this point where she did not believe that anymore. She was not going to accept that. She would go into the woods and she would imagine herself, imagine herself sitting at a desk with a suit on and being in a powerful, successful place in the world. Now that's how you start to clean out that junk, okay? She used her mind to create the vision she wanted, what her heart wanted, and it, you know, stuff that was in there began to clear out. Well, what's amazing is they took a a bus trip up to the United States with these kids. I'm guessing they were trying to raise money with the orphanage. They were on a bus. They stopped at a park, and she was playing basketball by then. This was just like four months after she broke her collarbone, but she was back to it. And a coach from a university in Virginia saw her playing and came over and started talking to her. They offered her a scholarship, a college scholarship, if she would come play for their college. Now, she says, you know, when she first heard the bad news that she wouldn't play basketball again, and when she broke her arm, or collarbone, you know, so often when bad things happen to us, where does our mind go? Puts more, I want to say crap, is it okay with you guys if I just say, puts more crap in that subjective mind. And what do you think that draws to us? Because this is creating our experience in the world. We are so powerful. So she doesn't, she didn't buy into that, so here she is now, she's four years of college in Virginia, graduates, can't get a job. Such a story. She um, can't get a job, can't get a job, and so she starts to just live in her car and thinks nothing of that, and then her car breaks down, so she just starts to live in the forest because she lived in the forest when she was in the orphanage. She's comfortable living in the forest. She didn't even know the word homeless. She did not know she was homeless. So along comes a woman, discovers that she's not homeless, And sort of helps her out right then and there. Um, And what she did was she entered a salsa contest. Now when I first heard this, I thought it was, but it was making fresh salsa. (laughs) Not a dance contest. (laughs) And she made really good fresh salsa. She won the contest. And a man came up to her and said, that is so good. We should have that in our stores. We should be able to buy that from you. And he gave her $800 to start a new business. And so she started making salsa and selling it to friends and trying to sell it to local markets. And she decided she wanted to grow big. She got a list of the food chains and food stores, little and big, you know, started at the top with the big ones down at the bottom. So she started calling them. She made like over 90 calls. There were more than 100 on the list. She said, I could give you the list. I called more than 90. And they all said, no, we're not interested. Now, here's the thing. At that time, the only salsa you bought in the store was cooked salsa sealed in jars. Today you can buy fresh salsa, can't you? Fresh in the refrigerator section salsa. That's all because of Maggie Cook. So um, she was even told by someone at the FDA, you really ought to just cook your salsa. You know, that's safer. But she did not buy that because fresh salsa is so much better. It is. (laughs) So she uh, called all these food chains and markets and stores and she was selling salsa, but just mainly locally and to friends. And, you know, she wanted to make more income. So. And they were saying no, but she never gave up. She just always thought there's a way. So she decided to start at the top of the list. Well, at the top of the list was Costco and some things like that, a Walmart and Whole Foods. And she thought, Whole Foods? I should call them. They're into healthy food. So she called and left a voicemail. About a week later, she got a call back. This guy says, hi, I'm Eric from Whole Foods. That might be the wrong name, but I think that's what it was. And she was shocked and stunned. And so Whole Foods said, we'd we to, you know, we we'd love to have you come to our next meeting. It's uh, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Bring your salsa. We want to test it. And she had to drive really far. I can't remember how far it was. She'd brought her salsa. They loved her salsa. They, they said, okay, yes, we want your salsa. And how much she want? I think it was 10,000 pounds of salsa they wanted for the first order. <laughs> and so she's like, but I don't have any money to buy the stuff to make 10,000 pounds of salsa. Uh, but so she, she had friends that she thought she could borrow money from, but they wouldn't want loan it to her unless she had like a guarantee. So she said to them, I need a contract that says you'll buy salsa from me, and then I think I can get loans. Sure enough, she did. Well, I want you to know, Maggie's fresh salsa is in Costco. It's in Walmart. It's everywhere. The guy from Walmart, I actually saw a video of him saying, when I tasted Maggie's sauce, I knew we had to have that in Walmart. It's really good. <laughs> um, she just sold it for 300 and some odd million dollars to General Foods, I think. <laughs> choke, choke, choke. Um, you just never know what's possible, do you? So when stuff happens, how are you going to look at it? I once lost a job um, because the work just fizzled out, and I was a computer programmer and analyst designing software. And so for about two seconds, I felt my heart sink, and then I thought, well, okay, there must be something better, and that is because I've been in this philosophy since I was 12 years old. It is because of this, and I stand on that faith knowing that, well, I must be done with that. There's something else. When we have that in our consciousness, the universe cannot help but support us So about, I I, I took about six weeks to recover from working 50, 60 hours a week, and it was Christmas time, and I got some severance pay too, so that was good. So about the time, I'm thinking, well, I could go do taxes if I had to. I could sure make money somehow. I had three kids, and I'm a single parent at this point, and I have a mortgage. Um, But I knew that there was something there for me. I thought, okay, this is the week I'm gonna do my resume. Hadn't done it by Monday. Tuesday Wednesday I still hadn't done my resume I get a phone call I heard you might be available (laughs) I went for an interview to LA on Friday I was hired for twice I was making $60,000 a year and that was quite a long time ago and I was hired for $120,000 a year it but I was a contractor consultant working for a consulting business. I was getting paid really good money. This is back after the dot-com drop, and everybody says it's going to take you forever to get a job if you're in that industry, you know? That's just not true. Let us not buy into it and put that in our subjective mind, our subconscious, okay? Are you with me on this? Thank you. Good. I'm so happy to hear it. So to empower, to have an empowered consciousness is to have an enlightened consciousness. How much time do I have? You know, I notice... Do you guys go for like two hours? Because I, <laughs> I have so much to tell you. Oh, they're saying, yeah, go ahead. Okay, because I don't know if you're supposed to end at 10 minutes too, but it's, how did we get there? Oh, no, my watch says, I have more time. Good. I'm not going to pay attention to that clock. Okay, sorry for the sidetrack. So um, I think it's about getting an enlightened consciousness and really washing away those false beliefs. And the place to start, please do this with me if you haven't already, is only say good things to yourself. How often do we say negative things to our own selves? Be kind to yourself. Believe in yourself. You are lovable. You are amazing. You can be whatever you want to be. You shine. You are the light. Do not hide your light under a bushel basket. And you know that phrase, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Emma Curtis Hopkins says that uh, if... Well, I can't remember what she says. I wrote it down here. Um, yeah, I, I do know this because I say it all the time, but somehow or another... Oh, Mark Twain says... <laughs> see, I don't really look at my notes much if I don't have to. Mark Twain says, I can teach anybody how to get whatever they want out of life. The problem is I can't find anybody who can tell me what they want. <laughs> I want you to know what you want because without sitting in the forest thinking about being behind a desk in a suit, she probably would not have sold a business for over $300 million. Move into feeling and knowing and living what you want, the perfect, healthy, wholesome relationship, being loved, being abundant, being prosperous, being able to give generously. Not only have your own needs met, but way beyond. Be that, feel that, live that. That's our job as practitioners of this philosophy is to feel, feel right now because as Ernest Holmes says, the feeling, you know, puts the power in the belief, but it also helps clear out that junk. And it's, it's, I, I got this big bowl still sitting here. It's getting clearer, right? Of, of subjective, subconscious thoughts and beliefs. So this is what Emma Curtis Hopkins she says. She says, we, we only have to tell the truth. If the truth makes us free when it is told, and we are not free, then the truth has not been told. The truth has not been told. Yes, you will, you only have to tell the truth, but what is the truth? It's not not those false beliefs or limitations, right? We only, we have only to tell the truth. If the truth makes us free, when it is told, and we are not free, then the truth has not been told. I want you to claim your good and high destiny. I want you to claim it powerfully all the time, out loud even. She says, I will tell you that between you and your good, which belongs to you, you and your good, which belongs to you, and which you ought to have is your idea of the absence of good. Can we just like, I'm clearing this whole big bowl of The absence of good ideas are out, gone completely. And don't just let us not go there in our minds. I'm going to share with you one more little tip, trick thing that changed my life. I have seen so many miracles in my life personally and in the lives of others. Barbara Waterhouse was giving a powerful talk about religious science and how it changes lives. And she said, we have grown two kidneys in our church. Actually, I think she said two and a half. Somebody must have only needed a half a kidney. This it's amazing. And last time I was here, I showed you how, you know, I healed my foot, right? I could walk without any pain because, because there's magic in the air. We're powerful. We change. It's just by observation, by knowing the highest truth, the physical universe changes for us, in us, as us. Yes. So, how many of you know Japa meditation? Japa meditation. Oh, good. I'm so excited. New people for Japa. One person, yes. I learned this from Wayne Dyer. And it, it really had a profound effect on my life. Japa meditation is meditating to the sound of creation, which is ah. A lot of times we go om, you know, but ah is in most of the names for God. Don't think of the letters. These sound ah. Ahura mazda, Yahweh. God. So, um, and so chanting ah is a powerful thing to do, and we're going to do that. Um, We're going to do that in a minute, but I'll tell you about it. So chanting, ah, out loud, is awesomely powerful. When I learned about this, there was a desire for my husband to retire at the age of 55. And he didn't think we were going to do that financially. And so I would drive down the road chanting out loud, ah. And I would just see nothing specific. But I think it all started from this idea we, we could use more money. It all started from that. I wasn't picturing money. I was just feeling ah, good in God coming to me. ah, oh, just like one with the universe. You know, it's like that is the kind of stuff that will really clear out the subjective mind, feeling the sense and the presence of God and the creative process. So I was, ah, we're going to do this in a minute. Anyway, I, um, what happened is I got a call again from the same guy that called me 20 years before or whatever it was. I'm not that old, excuse me. Um... <laughs> And he said, he was calling to see if my daughter would like to go to work for this IT company. And, um, and I, so I said, I'll check. And then he started telling me what he was doing, which was project management for this IT company. And um, it sounded like he was overwhelmed. I said, would you like some help? Now I'm a minister at the time. He said, yes. You mean you'd be interested? Oh my gosh. I said, are you gonna go dancing down the halls and tell Rich, the guy that owned the company who I'd worked with before and knew. Out of the blue, after 10 years in ministry, I got a job, well paid again. And I swear to you, it came from Japa meditation without any conscious idea of what or how, but just that goodness and abundance was mine. And I want you to know, my husband did retire at 55. And I, so I went to work for this technology company and I actually left my pulpit after 10 years in ministry. And it, but it was a God thing. I was being pulled away to do something that I'm really good at, which I ended up becoming the uh, director of human resources and administration there. Um, but I started out as a project manager helping my friend part-time while I was still doing church. Just interesting how stuff happens, isn't it? It's about trusting the process, even when it looks weird or different. Listen to this. This will tell you. This will tell you what's really what your heart wants. And I'll tell you what, when you get in touch, and I say this almost every time I speak, when you get in touch with your, what your heart wants, you can't help but smile. So it, sometimes we think of shoulds, or ought to's. We think that's what we want. We ought to. That's not what your heart wants necessarily, unless it's making you smile too, okay? Check it out. If it, if it lights you up, it's yours. So we're going to try Japa meditation as we begin to close this service today. I'm going to invite you. We'll just do um, some ahs until we feel done, and I haven't planned out how many we're going to do. But we'll just, just, let's just all chant like you're doing an ohm, but we're going to do an ah. It's going to feel so good. And then, then we'll get quiet and we'll do it silently in our minds for a little bit of time, too. Just stay with that and feel the power, the presence, your oneness with the infinite, the dynamic, create, creative activity of the universe. Because that's what we're doing when we meditate with this practice. So here we go. One, two, three. Ready? Ah. Ah <sighs> Keep going
0: imagine all good,
1: lighting up your life, feeling the presence of the divine, which is love, which is wisdom, all-knowing, all-powerful, creative. It's the very core of my being, and this is true for each one of us here in this room and all of life. We are the presence of the divine. We are all-powerful. We are all-knowing. There is wisdom at hand for every need, for every purpose. There is wisdom at hand for our heart's desire. So I invite you to just take a moment in the silence, to listen within and see what's what's next for me. What would light me up? Might be something little, might be something big. Let's take a moment and see what's present. And notice if it's making you smile. There's something there. See yourself already living it. I'm already living my heart's desire. I can feel it. I sense into it. I know it. I feel so good. Oh, it's sliding me up. I'm alive, vibrant with life, living fully, peacefully, joyfully. Lovingly. Mm, What a blessing. So we take a moment to just affirm in our hearts and minds with gratitude that this vision, this knowing is already, already here. Already here. And so we can just simply let go. Letting the divine wisdom handle the details and continue to live in that vision and shining it out to the world. This is who I am. I am the light, I am the love, I am the power of the divine, and my life is unfolding beautifully. I am guided, and my way is made easy. There is no efforting, and life is a joy. I give thanks for knowing this is so, so for myself and for each person here, and for all of our loved ones, for Reverend Patty, her family, and so I can just let go. In gratitude. And will you join me as we affirm together by saying, And so it is. Praise God, and so it is. All right. Yahoo! Love you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.